This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to Men Talk on Plains FM 96.9, a playful search for understanding and appreciation of men. I'm Ian Ferguson, coordinator of International Men's Day in New Zealand. Today I'm excited to talk to Jess Berenson Shaw. Jess is an expert in using good communication to cut through misinformation. Last October she wrote an article called We Need to Talk About Men. So here we are to talk about men. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Jess. <laughs> Kia ora, Ian. What does being an expert in, in uh, good communication mean? Oh, isn't it, isn't it funny claiming expertise in anything, really? Um. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a little bit awkward because, because uh, you kind of have to display your expertise in communication now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's, it's no pressure. <laughs> exactly. So my research, um, so what I research is how do we talk and communicate with people, especially around complex issues? Um, so those are kind of like the big issues that we're all facing in the world. And in this case, we're thinking about, you know, what, is it, what does it mean to, what does gender equality mean? What is it, um, how do we deal with some of those big issues that touch on issues of gender, um, like violence, for example, and suicide and mental health and wellbeing and all of those sorts of things. But I also do work in other kind of areas like how do we talk about things like climate change or how do we talk about poverty and a lot of my work is really helping what we would call um, kind of researchers and advocates and um, experts themselves who, who spend a lot of time researching both how these problems come about and how we solve them. Uh, how do they talk about those in ways that really connect with people and get them to understand, you know, some of those kind of complex um those complex pathways and, and what some of the better solutions are because sometimes, you know, there's just a lot of communication in our world which really, really oversimplifies things and gets us into spaces where we, you know, we think, we, we kind of think maybe polarised thoughts, we can sometimes think the wrong thing and, and it leads to kind of the wrong solutions as well. So that's a rather a long, long explanation, but yeah. One of the things I was really interested to see from your website, uh, the workshop, um, was that you actually test the the messages you want to communicate with focus groups. Yeah, which I thought was I, I thought it seemed sensible in hindsight. Yeah, I, th I found that really interesting. How did how did you uh, um, come to do that? Well, it's it's really interesting. This is kind of a, a bit of a new area, I think, of research and science. So, um, I mean, it's new and it's not. It, it, we combine a lot of different areas of research. So, for example, social science and psychology, um, cognitive science. And what, what we know is that how we say things is not always, um, we don't always end up engendering the types of things we want people to think. So we might say something, having an idea in our mind about what we want people to understand. And what we actually find is the way that we've said it doesn't at all engender the type of thinking that we would like people to think. So the, the reason what we test um, how we talk or how we experts or advocates talk about their area of science is to figure out, are we actually 
um, saying things in a way so that people are thinking the things that we would like them to think. And and that's where the testing bit comes into it as we test, you know, what is it that people think after you say it this way versus after you say it this way? It's kind of, you know, media have been doing it for years, how they how they frame um, a particular piece of information will entirely affect how people will think about that. And so this is just getting a little bit more scientific about it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, one strange thing I like to do is, um, is talking to trolls on the internet, but my goal is to, my goal is to be as effective as possible to get them out of the trolling it's it's I, I I have it's a little game I play and and I have a bit of fun with it. It's hard to know if you're successful because they they stop talking to you. Um, <laughs> but but what I've found is um, there's a, there's a few ways you can say things which invite a response and can will get the conversation continuing. And then there's like a hundred ways where you can go wrong. Yeah. Exactly. That's so true, right? Like we have all experienced that in our life. Like we can say things one way and shut down the conversation and people become really defensive and and not open. And we can say things another way and people can look at the issue through a completely different lens. And I think that's some of the beauty of kind of just being a human being is that we're all capable of thinking and seeing things in quite different ways based on on how people communicate and and that's like a source of great optimism and hope for me I think is that no well very few people are are so stuck or so rigid in a place that they can't move or see things from another perspective and I, I think that's you know that offers us a lot of hope about humanity I think and our ability to kind of solve problems together mm, yeah yeah um, and I, I think I think we all all share a kind of a common well for well-being of everyone everyone wants everyone else to be yeah to be doing well yeah and um that's something we can kind of ground our communication in oh 100 percent. and and you know one of the things that often happens in modern communication and especially with so much social media is that we're constantly drawn towards a place where we can't see that and we don't see that and we are you know the way that social media is designed the very algorithms of it and how people make money from it is to drive us further apart and see the things that we don't have in common because that gets more clicks and and more eyeballs on it. So I think this idea that we can be kind of critical of the way in which we are polarised by people who benefit from it is, is a really helpful way of thinking about it and that really for lots of people, not all people, but for lots of people we have, we definitely have deep shared values around our humanity that we can call to. Mm. Oh, gosh, I just thought of something and it's gone. <laughs> I'm going to edit this later, so I sound smarter. <laughs> um, ah, yes, yes. Um, another thing that I've kind of discovered is that there's no point talking about facts and evidence straight off the bat. You've got to start with, with those values. Mm. Yeah. I often say people's feelings don't care about your facts. And <laughs> and and that is even though that that feels 
logically like it shouldn't work like that what we know from the science is that's 100% how it works is that we all have a whole set of highly developed um, what information processing system going on in our brain which means that we don't put logic first what we what we filter everything we hear through is things like our values and then emotions come into play or um, I often talk about it about our our kind of physical feeling like because emotions are obviously just our brain interpreting body signals as an emotion um, you know how we physically respond to a piece of information or something we hear will determine um, whether we're willing to hear it or not so all of these things which are just really functional from a kind of um, evolutionary perspective mean that logic and facts are the last thing we often apply I often say that you know if we had to logic and um, fact our way through every piece of input that we got in our world we wouldn't get past the wheat bix packet in the morning because we'd have to relearn how to open a box of wheat bix right um, yeah. you know so it's really it's really functional we don't have to relearn and think about everything that we know we have all these you know what's it called cognitive shortcuts or mental shortcuts that we all use so but on the other hand what that can mean is that we these things can um, undermine you know the development of um, deeper thinking about more complex issues because they can serve to protect some incorrect ideas that we might have developed or some shallow thoughts that we might have about you know more complex issues. Shall we talk about the 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 article? Yeah great. How about I get, give you my best summary and you can Perfect. tell me if it, if that would it be sounds wonderful. right. Yeah. Um, uh, so it was in the context of the election and you were talking about how uh, politicians weren't really talking about women's issues or, or gender issues or anything along those lines. And you made the uh, attention-grabbing idea that we should be talking about men because it will help women. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, the, the main point is that um, often I think um, when we are seeking um, better kind of treatment for women um, and and better experiences for, mom, for women, whether that's in the workplace or at home or just generally in society, um, we often separate out um, men and women. And we'll, we'll talk about perhaps women's needs um, and, and we don't really relate it to men's experiences. And, and one of the things I think that we know is really important um, in the space of thinking about how do we make sure that women... Um, are free from uh, unhealthy kind of stereotypes is that actually we need to think about, well, how, how do men become free from unhealthy stereotypes as well? And how does that, how does that relate to women's experiences? So I often think we spend a lot of time um, kind of really reinforcing this idea of men and women as different and separate when what we know is that, you know, a lot of the problems that we're kind of all trying to work on and explore whether that's you know discrimination against women or violence against women or men's mental health are interrelated and they're interrelated because 
We really um, spend a lot of time reinforcing this idea that that men are different from women and rather than this idea about what does it mean to be a good person and what does it mean to be a decent man and what does it mean to be a decent woman. So I think really that was what I was, um, you know, making some some commentary around um, is that how can we um, think about how we are all free, I guess, from kind of out dated stereotypes and and perhaps how all those outdated stereotypes affect both men and women perhaps in different ways um, and um, but definitely we have to have a much more kind of contextual conversation so one of the things that that strikes me is that we talk a lot more about women's issues than men's issues um, and that in itself, creates a kind of, of a stereotype. It reinforces the the differences uh, between men and women because we're doing a lot of talking about one and not the other. Um, so, and and yeah. and what you and there is a lot of interrelation. So it kind of um, it's it's it, it's the framing. What we were talking about before, the framing of it isn't helpful. Yeah, and I mean it's interesting. I think I think. It depends on your position in society, right, about whether you think that we we talk a lot about women and, and not about men. And I, and I I would tend to kind of say it's probably more that we talk about women's issues differently from how we talk about men's issues would probably be what I would say. Mm. Um, you know, we talk a lot about the um, the deficits that women experience as a result of um, stereotypes um you know, gendered stereotypes that might be acting upon them in the workplace or in home life. Um, and, you know, for, for a lot of women, um, it, there's the sense of our, our issues being made visible and being recognised. And, and, you know, one of the things is what happens is if you, and, and this is true of any human being, is when your experiences in the world are... Um, minimized or denied it, it creates a, a real pushback of kind of anger right and I and I think that that applies to both I think that applies to all human beings right like for men um, there's a lot of experiences around mental health around loneliness around um, how do they connect with each other how do they connect with other human beings that are uh, uh, minimized and denied in mm. um, in conversations um, as well. And I think what happens is we've set up a sort of almost a, a kind of a zero-sum game, which is um, more for women means less for men. And, um, and what we know is that, you know, getting rid of gendered stereotypes, whether they're masculine stereotypes or feminine stereotypes, is something that benefits us all as a collective, right? And I think having that conversation is a really important one to have. Like, what does it mean to be a good human being, regardless of whatever your gender is? And of course, you know, there are people who do not identify as either men or women here who are also, you know, getting a huge amount of um, harm being done to them from, you know, these very strong, unhealthy stereotypes of either masculine stereotypes or, or women or, or feminine stereotypes. So, you know, I, I think definitely what we don't want to be in the space of is that there is a competition um, 
in which um, if if we if we deal with women's issues, then somehow men feel like they will be worse off because of it, or or vice versa. If we if we address you know um, mental health in men, then somehow that's not um, that that there's there's that's not helping women either or or in fact so I think there is this kind of more mature conversation about what does it mean to get rid of stereotypes around gender what does it mean to be a good human being regardless of whether you're a man or a woman and what are the what are the kinds of things that we would like to see you know in and about being a, a good man which is really just about being a good person and you know what we value in people really is should be the same whether they're a man or a woman and and I think overwhelmingly people want the men in our lives you know to just be respectful caring and loving and men want that and women want that and and people who don't identify as either want that and um and I think those are really that's where the fruitful conversations come in right um I do think that there's still um issues around visibility you know I think what we see in our research is there's always people that sit in the extreme position and there will always be people who um, hold very fast to um, old ideas and status quo who um, who who don't want to have those conversations you know and are and are, are very stuck in this idea that this is this is not a useful thing to do and you know I think it's worth pointing out at this point that those people tend to get amplified in our current media narrative as well and and that can really affect how we treat each other if we if we feel that those extreme positions um are you know people who might hold extremely negative views about women, for example, and I, and I speak here from obviously from a woman's perspective, we feel like there are more of them than there actually are in the world, um, then, you know, we, it, it can really affect how we, how we interact with, with all men. And I think, you know, that's certainly something I've experienced in, in the social media space, right? You can, you can make big assumptions about um, where somebody is coming from based on kind of um, uh, misattribution, I guess, of how many people think terrible things, you know. <laughs> so, and and likewise, it can work the other way around. So I think um, it is really important that we, for me anyway, that we have a lot more conversations about um, which are driven by people in the middle. And, and, and overwhelmingly, those are the people who want men you know, to be respectful, caring, and loving, and those are both men and women. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think one of the most impactful uh, examples of the interrelatedness of men and women's well-being is the <clears throat> was the latest Family Violence Death Review Committee report, um, I'd, which looked at the men who ended up killing their partners. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there were something like 80 or 90 men that they looked into. The report found that most of those men uh, tried to engage with social services um, early on mm. uh, and and they, they uh, were turned away or they couldn't get what they needed or weren't taken seriously or something along those lines. Um, and... Each one of those kind of things was a was a chance at an, an intervention uh, yeah. that that kind of failed, um, and so 
so if we'd if we'd taken better care of those guys, uh, then um, perhaps we <laughs> we it wouldn't it wouldn't have been so tragic. Yeah, and it's a it's a really sad kind of insight into um, I guess what we would call you know, in our work, what are the things that would make the biggest difference? What what are the things that people in government and people in social services can do that make the biggest difference to stop these men killing their partners, which is, you know, the the end, the, the most tragic and awful end of a long, long line that really starts even before we're dealing with the individual, right? Like we often, one of the things that we see in our work is that people tend to think of um, men who use violence that the main or the biggest thing that we can do is work with that individual man and and that is true we absolutely do need to work with individual men who are using violence but much further upstream there's a whole lot of things that we can be doing in society to build well-being to build you know um, healthy kind of um, ways of being with each other, um, freeing men from kind of outdated masculine stereotypes. You know, what comes through a lot in the research is, is men who um, are violent towards their partners have very strong beliefs and control of women. And, and you know, that those kinds of ideas come, you know, from wider society in some ways and 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 they these men are being shackled to these types of stereotypes that are ultimately really impacting on their individual behavior so i think for me i think there's this the a lot of we can be doing a lot more upstream a lot more a lot more with young children you know like some of these gendered stereotypes um they start right from early you know like I my daughter is 11 um and uh she's just started intermediate school and it's been a bit of a shock to the system actually she's been in a a a really lovely well-supported primary school and she's come home within a few a few weeks with boys saying terribly misogynistic Mm. things to her at age 11 which you know, I'm at a bit of a loss um, about where this is coming from. And I, so I think, you know, right back with children, these kinds of, um, yeah, these really outdated kind of ideas of, of what being a man is and the stereotypes and what being a woman is need to be to be dealt with. And indeed in our social services, you know, what are we doing and how are we working in ways that men have got further along that track that they are um, they are using violence against women and, and how can we how can we stop that as well but but I would definitely say I think probably one of the main problems in our current system is that we tend to wait until there are signs of violence or the violence is happening um, we're not doing enough um, of the things that would make the bigger difference around these things like um, you know, masculine stereotypes and and better physical and mental well-being and, you know, um, w- what does it look like to be a loving and caring man and how can you express that? Um, what does it mean to be a good person so that men feel that they can be part of that too or boys even, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, last year uh, on the show, I spoke to Damien from uh, Haybro, which is a support line for um, men who uh, feel like they're going to use violence 
and so it's kind of a mental ring up to try to kind of get calmed down and and um, get some su- su- support so that they're not, <laughs> you know, the men recognise that they're a little bit out of control and they need yeah need some time out, so they call the line. And um, one of the things he said is his kind of his his um, his magic wish was that we we support people bef- from before they're born. Yeah, so good, right? So good. Um, which, which of course, you know, that's that's a magic wish. It is very. I don't how exactly that happens is is very difficult. Um, but that's that's the idea. Is is that we don't we don't wait until we can see symptoms. Yeah, one hundred percent right. It's it's that um, dealing with sickness versus. Uh, Improving well-being, isn't it? It's that kind of mindset. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think perhaps one of the things that we've been a bit slow on the uptake around um, kind of gender issues and, and, you know, violence against women and and, and men's violence against each other as well, um, we've been a bit slow on the uptake of, of thinking about these things from a kind of life, what I would call a life course perspective. And that's what kind of Damien was, I think, getting to, which is that actually the support to build um, respectful, caring and loving people, including men, happens, you know, before babies are born and families before babies are born. And it, and it happens in wider society as well. You know, like it happens in our school environments and our workplaces and it happens in, um, in playgrounds and it happens in, um, it happens in how our government services are run, right? Um, and I think one of the things I'm, I'm kind of, I think is that the vast majority of people don't like these outdated attitudes and and they're ready for change, right? But we just haven't quite got the settings right Mm. for how do we support that change in society. And I think, you know, there's been some great articles written by men recently about um, what they want for their grandchildren, for example, and I always find those just really beautiful, thoughtful kind of reflections from men and, and um, I think embracing more of that, um, mm-hmm. uh, and and what does it look what like? What do grandfathers expect or fathers expect from their children, for example? And and are we supporting, you know, respect and care and love in all of our children? Are we respecting and um, thinking about their emotions and how they can be emotionally competent people. Um, these are all really important things and stuff that we probably don't talk enough about as a society generally, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that relates exactly to what I'm trying to do with International Men's Day. Um, I thought a lot about how to approach it in a way that people could get on board with and wouldn't be divisive or political or so on. So, and so what I'm trying to do is get people to tell stories about the men they respect and admire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that for me, that works on a lot of levels. It makes people feel grateful um, for something, which is good for them. Yeah. Person they're telling the story about gets, you know, a bit of recognition and, and, and a boost. Um, that's good for them, and we're also giving people examples of of um, the type of things that we like to see in in people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think that's really brilliant because I think one of the things we know is that um, 
you know, masculine stereotypes really trap men in boxes and it really stops them from living really full and happy lives. And, you know, lots of men really worry about being judged for talking about their emotions or they do talk about their emotions and they find that they're not getting quite the response that they perhaps would like or they have them, you know, like if you don't, if you do bottle up your emotions and you do talk about them, then sometimes, sometimes you might not be that articulate about talking mm. about your emotions because you don't have the practice. And, and, you know, like all of these kind of, um, ideas have really contributed to, um, you know, some really poor outcomes for men, depression and anxiety, you know, high rates of suicide as well as violence against women. And, and these things are all interrelated. So I think the more that we can show people that, um, outside of these masculine stereotypes, like if we, if we throw off some of those masculine stereotypes, that it's actually, you know, you know, we, we kind of get, you know, the society with the kind of all the decent human beings that we we all really want in that space. And I think um, the other thing I would say is as well along with those kind of stories of the men who in our lives who are respecting and loving, and I, you know, I often think of all the men in my life who are like that, and there are some who are not, and I've, I might, you know, and I, I think it's, it's good to acknowledge that, um, you know, for lots of women, um, including myself, we have had very negative experiences with a few men in our lives. But there are many who are loving and caring and respectful and um, building up both the stories around those men, but also what were the things that made the biggest difference to um, to men being like that? Because I think that's important. Like we often, we talk about that being um telling the system story, which is like, what was the environment? What were the conditions? What were the things that made the big difference to these men um, to support them in, in kind of being decent human beings? Um, and, you know, was it their family? Were there, were there um, men in their workplaces? Were there, were there fathers in their lives? Or, um, and was there something at school? Was there, you know, all, and I think talking about some of those kind of what we would call those upstream things or those environmental conditions is really helpful as well because I think we don't want people to believe that this is just a matter of effort, right? Like one of those really toxic kind of ideas is that um, everything that we do and everything that we are is just a result of our personal choices and our and individual effort because uh, and, and this idea that that's how we're going to get out of it is is super unhelpful um, because we're all in in different ways um, shaped by our environment and shaped by our context. And the more we can talk about the context and the environment, the more that we can make the biggest difference. Right. One of the things that I've I've thought about is is how to make the the biggest difference, or in in that kind of systems approach um, to men's well being. A lot of the discussion is about what individual men can do. You know, mm. we we say um, men, you should you know ask for help and ex talk about your feelings and so on mm. and so forth. That's all. That's all individual um, based stuff. But how can we support that on a bigger kind of institutional um, level? And and the question I, I kind of ask myself is what can the government do um, to encourage those things? Yeah. And one, one thing that stuck out to me a while ago was the Suicide Prevention Office funding. Um, there was some specific funding earmarked for Maori, which is 
the right thing to do. Yeah. Because um, Maori suicide um, at the time I looked at it was 17 per 100,000. General population might have been six per 100,000 or something like mm-hmm. that. I, I can't remember the exact number. Um, so we funded Maori. Good decision. Men also have a rate of 17 per 100,000, but there was no funding allocated for them. Now, I'm not saying they're not going to get any, you know, it's not like the, the suicide prevention office is ignoring uh, male suicide. The symbolism of it was very interesting to me. Um, we, we could have done something um, to recognise men's vulnerabilities there, and I think that was a missed opportunity. So there's, there's things like that. Mm. Yeah, it's super interesting, eh, right? Like, do we recognise men's vulnerabilities enough and in the right ways, and then do we design um, programs around that, right? And, I mean, I would say... Um, we at the moment have some very binary conversations um, with some kind of language that's not not incredibly helpful. I would say that um, the what I'm seeing from people in the government is definitely more interest in things like how do you help men and um, young men and boys to live happy and fulfilled lives and be in caring and respectful relationships with women if that's what they're interested in. Um, and um, how do they kind of create conversations around those? Because I think that's incredibly important, right? Um, and so things like consent, I mean, they've got terrible names, right? Consent programs. They're not really consent programs so much as they are about, you know, what, is it, what does it look like to be a good and decent person in a relationship and, and for all of us? And then um, I think there's a lot around healthier role models to help break free of some of these harmful masculine stereotypes which again are, you know, if we track back from mental health and suicide um, where men feel trapped and boxed in and they don't feel that they can um, can manage their emotions. We know that the reason um, why women have a lower suicide rate um, is because they are they have more ability to regulate and express their emotions. Now men have that ability too. Let's not pretend that we're not all human beings, but somehow they're stopped from doing that. And why? And they're usually stopped from quite a young age, right? Like you listen to some of the conversations that go on with very little children. I think the research shows that parents are slower to respond to boys who are crying than girls who are crying. Yeah, yeah, and 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 then shutting it down, right? And why do we why do we shut that down? You know, some of the behaviours that boys um, engage in around caring for each other, or you know caring for things gets shut down as well and it's like but why would we shut that down when we want men to be caring in our lives as well you know there's some and I think for me I'm really interested in helping people make the connection between how how we um, raise children as a society and the types of messages that we give them based on their gender and helping people make that link between that and what happens later on in relationships and in men's lives, both in terms of their mental health and violence against women, for example. And so for me, that kind of, I would like to definitely see a lot more focus on how can we help um, people break free of these kind of traditional masculine stereotypes 
for the purposes of improving the health of well-being of everybody in society, men and women. Um, you know, what we well-being ultimately is about this idea that everyone should be comfortable being themselves and that no matter who you are, you know, what gender you identify, that you can carve out your unique path in life and choose and reach your own goals. And at the moment, we know that's not happening. Um, so I think there is a lot to be done around teaching boys how to be good human beings um, and what that looks and feels like and not just this idea that there's a good way to be a man particularly because I think that gets us stuck in this space of thinking that men and women are different um, and there are aspects to us that are different of course but um, in terms of how we are in relationship with each other and, and how we are in relationship with ourselves um, I think you know it's just about being a decent human being really. All right, I think it's about time for a break.
welcome back, everybody. Uh, it's time for the questions I ask everyone. Uh, first of all, uh, Jess, what's good about men? Oh, so much. <laughs> I I think for me, it's less about what's good about men and what's good about human beings because I think the traits that um, I love about men are traits that I love about all human beings in my life um, and you know, um, I think I've talked a lot about, you know, respectful, caring people living kind of fulfilled lives. And for me, that's what's great about um, men and women and, and all people really is is those people who are caring and respectful. And, and I see a, a huge amount of that in the, in the men in my lives. And, um, and also a real willingness, I think, to engage in conversations about... Um, how how can we have more caring and respect for men um, in in the world as well? So yeah. And and the second question is: If you had a magic wish to make the world a better place, what would you wish for? I think getting back to what I was saying earlier, which is like that the world was really filled with really healthy role models um, for boys and men about what it looks like when we've broken free from those harmful masculine stereotypes. I think that would be. That would be a pretty awesome thing to see um, uh, for, for men and boys to be able to look up to these role models and see how freeing it is and, and what, what a fulfilling and happy life that you can live and, and, the, and what it feels like to be in deeply caring and respectful relationships with women or, or with other men. Um, that would be, yeah, I think that would, I would like that a lot. And I think it's possible as well. Like I really actually think it's not a, pie in the sky wish it's absolutely something that we um and, and lots of people are working towards including yourself and including a lot of people that you have on the show so i think that gives me a great amount of hope excellent sounds a lot about uh, like what we're we're trying to do with international men's day so i better get that that plug in there november 19th don't forget everybody <laughs> <laughs> internationalmensday.co.nz oh no that might be wrong oh gosh <laughs> anyway anyway jess um i my my promise to myself is I don't do anything for International Men's Day before International Women's Day, and we've just had International Women's Day, so my brain is starting to to wind up. So that's my <laughs> excuse. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, okay. Jess, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Ian.